And welcome to Pros and Doms. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. How are you? I need to. I need to get a a thesaurus. You do. For the word, ev- yeah. Greetings. <laughs> I was thinking about for everyone, bros. But oh, oh okay. Oh, oh, not the first <laughs> word. The second word. Okay. Hi, gang. Hi, y'all. Oh, that's very disingenuous. I don't like that at all. Hey, group. Collective of listeners. Social conscience. Oh, I'm not going that far. No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm -mm. This is a family show. I don't know. Yeah, I don't need no Jimmy Cricket on this here. I don't need that. (laughs) Oh, pros. How's it going? It's going good. It's a nice uh, morning. Um, this is good because our subject today is uh, timely. Per- a period piece, so we can talk about the it's it's autumn. All the and. The- and it's nice. It's cold. It's getting a little chilly. It's a little chilly. The leaves just changed this week. Like they were green, and now they're they're all changed and fallen off. Yeah, I feel like you, you. I is has that been happening more in the last like in these last like five years where this the foliage the peak foliage is 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 it eighteen hours? Yeah, there was no progression. It was just like. Green, green dead. dead. Oh, that's beautiful. And then you drive home from work and you're like, that tree. Okay. Well, I'm glad I saw that one. I don't know if it's my particular area, but like for the past two weeks, leaves were falling off, of course, but they were green. Like on the ground, you'd see just green leaves falling. It's just that, that there is out of anything that's sad about fall or autumn is that that has to be that's got to be more sad than the influx of pumpkin pie spice is the just a, a green leaf falling off a tree yes and they were like dried out green leaves but they never changed their color i guess they didn't lose the chlorophyll i don't want to get into the science behind it but that's kind of what happens i guess if you don't change colors if you're a leaf but well, and I count on you, bros, to tell me if, you know, if I'm experiencing signs of depression, but I have given up on foliage, of, of foliage viewing. What I mean by that is the two years ago, was it two years? No, it was a year ago, went to the Taste of the Catskills Festival. It was, a, it was it's done on this farm. It's a two-day festival. There's a farm to table with with these great singers and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my, okay, I'm I've lived in upstate New York my entire life. It's uh it's a refrigerator, literally speaking, from a temperature perspective. Uh six months, five and a half months out of the year. And I've never really embraced the beauty of fall 
I've just gone from, oh, summer was great. Now I can hibernate for six months and be miserable and wait for the first 50 degree day in spring. Well, I've given up on that because all the festivals I, I went to last year and this year never coincide with any of the foliage. I'm driving, you know, the Catskills is a good two, two, two and a half hour clip drive. The, this one I went to this year was an hour in Pennsylvania. And this is, this is the same view as if I was driving in the middle of summer. So these festivals don't coincide, and I don't think ever really can uh, with, the, with, the, with the foliage. We're talking like an apple cider fest or something like that. Yeah, this was like a weekend fest type of deal that last year, but the other one was just a, you know, a, a five hour like, oh, we're gonna get craft vendors and just come out, and it's the last thing you get to do outside before it gets nasty. Yeah, it it has not coincided because it was, well, it it was to be fair, kind of cold these past few weeks, but there was no to really get those festivals, you need like an Indian summer. What's an that? Indian summer? Yeah, I guess I guess you're supposed to call it a Native American summer now, but uh, it's when it's like that uh, week in November when it warms back up to like sixty five degrees or seventy degrees. Oh, okay. It doesn't always happen, but like that's what they call it, or that's what they've called it when I was like a kid. So, and that does something that that changes the leaves. No, it doesn't change the leaves. It just it's just like that one like last glimpse of like what warmth felt like until you go into the, the oh, cold season. Okay, that makes it nice to be outside for the humans. Yes. Oh, understood. Fall. Understood. Yeah. So yeah, now I'm just now it's just leave collection. You've not heard that term before? India I maybe. Yeah, it's just it just refers to the warming up of temperatures in the fall after it's cooled down already. Bef- before the, okay. like, the deep freeze comes. Uh, I don't want to get, and I don't feel this is political, but the uh, global warming. I am um, I'm friends with a sommelier. Is that my saying that? I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. I apologize. Assam. I say that a wine taste. Uh, what is it? Uh, not somebody from Somalia, but a wine taster. A wine taster, but she's a, a, a level two. So this is a fully vetted process. You know, there's a national. She she had to do classes and and she had to do an internship out in Napa Valley. This this is real. I, I watched the show on Netflix. Like, there's like a few documentaries on how like these people become master sommeliers. Right, and there's only like very few level fours and fives, and they're flown all over the world. To, and she said in level three, you have to just take a sip of wine and know what the wine is, where it was from, and what vintage. Between, and all you can do is smell and taste. You have to be that proficient. And what she was telling me was that with global warming. Our our finger lakes are actually becoming mu- more desirable properties to grow better uh, wines because uh, 
we have poor red wines in the Finger Lakes. I guess the major reason for that is that in Napa Valley, or where there's good reds, you get that 20-degree difference during the day. Oh. And for, for our lives, we didn't. You know, we, at most, it would be a 10-degree range between the high and the low. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And that, that frost-thaw type of deal is what gives it that more complex grape taste that the, that the winemaker can use. And she said that band's moving up now. Used to be like in the Tennessee or something like that. Now it's it's just getting warmer and it's moving. So this band of this frost thaw type of deal is now coming into our range, uh, our longitude, and um, and so now we have this perfect thing as far as with the Finger Lakes, the water and all that. And now we're getting the perfect temperatures that. We're doing that. She said most of the wineries in Napa Valley are buying property down up in Oregon because they're not, it's, it's just starting to get too warm in Napa Valley to get that same diversity. Right. It's not getting flavored by the, the temperature variant, I guess. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So, so maybe that's like an Indian, that, that's kind of like the only thing I, I knew as far as an Indian summer. Getting to 60 during the day, but then getting down to like 35 at night or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's what gives you the dessert wines. And so you get the frost with the dessert wine, but then it warms it back up. You get those dessert wines from that and the better red grape from that too. Well, basically, the more sugar you get into the grape, because grapes are very high in sugar content, the more alcohol you can generate from it, which makes sense. So you can get those high like high alcohol content and also high sugar dessert wines because you're ripening mm-hmm. the grapes. Also, I, I, I learned it was important. Uh, you can't harvest grapes after like a big rainfall. Like you got to, yeah, really? you got to let them dry out for like a week because then the grapes get too filled with water and then you just get like a watered down wine. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, they, it's like, uh, remember the ballpark, Frank, the Michael Jordan commercials, they plump when you cook them. Yeah. Yes. Well, apparently grapes plump when you, it rains. Okay. Hmm. Not that great of an analogy, but just throwing it out there. No, I buy it. I, it was a good analogy because I understood it. A beetle goes down a path. One sandy, one rocky. I've never heard that one before, but that's... I just oh, made that okay. up. That's why I've never heard it. I was trying to come up with a bad analogy. Oh, oh, yeah, that... Okay. Yeah, if you've never heard of it yeah. or can't relate to it, yeah. Right. Bros, yes. bring us back to the... To the, to the theme, to tonight's, to today's, to this morning's. What, what are we here for? Convene the meeting, bros, of pros and doms. This is a meeting of the pros and doms podcast. All in attendance, say aye. Aye. (laughs) So with fall comes something else. Well, basically every other year with fall comes something else. Uh, And this year is fortunately or unfortunately an election year. 
I feel like I should have a sound effect for that, but I don't have one prepared, so. I don't think. Oh. I don't think I wished you a happy election day last year, Doms. You definitely Well, did it not. wasn't really. I mean, I don't think there were many elections last year on November 9th. I think you have an election every year, right? It's just this some more notable races than others. I think there's like mayoral mayoral races, you know, and the off years that aren't like Senate or Congress years. Okay. Or like little like, you know, town supervisor. You know, like little Maybe for the for municipal. Yeah, municipal elections municipal. are like the off years, but the big years are the the every other year with the Senate and Congress and whatnot. So it's an election year. I don't vote. Oh, I d- you're not patriotic. No, I'm ex- I'm just as much of a patriot. I'm exercising my right to abstain from the voting process. Okay. So is that is that what we want to talk? I I you know that we've talked about in the past. I don't want to make this podcast political, but like I feel like we can talk about voting and and that and not get into either sides or a platform. I I oh absolutely. I I mean I don't. Uh, I'm not gonna get into who I back or who I don't back. I mean I obviously don't. You don't back. I really anybody. don't back anybody because I don't vote. So. You don't I'm the vote. least political, probably, of anyone. You're okay. So let's let's. St- I think that's a good intro point. What you you you're the least political. You don't vote. That is the binary decision. You vote or you don't vote. Correct. But the. The non-binary decision, the hexadecimal decision, uh, is you're stating that you feel you're patriotic. By not voting. Well, no, I, I don't want to assume there's a causality there, that there's a relationship there. Okay. So that's where I kind of want to start, is there... You don't vote yes to that, but you feel you're patriotic, which is a relative decision. How do you feel that they correlate or they don't correlate? So so voting, uh, is it a right to vote or a privilege to vote? I believe it's a right to vote, like unless right. you're a yeah, felon, right to vote. in which case I don't, you're not like you're like less of a citizen. Right. So, so everyone, every citizen has the right to vote. So, what a right is defined by is that you get a choice to exercise that right or not. And I am on the other side of the coin by not exercising the right. I'm still demonstrating that we have the right to vote. You need people like me not to vote because if everyone voted, then it would just be, it wouldn't be a right anymore. It would be like a demand to vote. Okay. I see how that works in isolation. And I wish, and, and I apologize to the viewers, but keeping it true prose and Dom style, I, we, we have very little prep, but I wanted to kind of get, 
I don't have it. But I think it's like chronic levels, bros, of non-voters. Like, isn't it like only 30% vote or something like that? It's, it's not. It's not a high level by any measure. Correct. So I think that contrarian type of point of view you're stating works if 98% of the population is voting and you're like, well, there's, there has to be this yin and yang to voting and I will be the yin. And I am the yang. Right. But when, but yin cannot exist if yang is 70%. So here's the other issue I have with voting. I, I cannot name, uh, I've seen the political signs, but I, I don't think I could name a single person on like the ballots. Okay. I know it's an election year for the governor, so I guess our governor would be on the ballot. That's about all, that's about yes. all I know. But so the, the issue is, I, is it better to not vote if you're a completely uninformed voter? Or is it better to go out and vote and not even know what they stand for? One of our friends, pros, actually put a very good Facebook post out about this. I can't believe I'm referencing a Facebook post, but we did, I did. Um, and since I don't know if he listens, I'm going to call him out by his name, Matt Firstus. You know, you know him by Dirty. Dirty Water. Tiger. Dirty Water. Eh, tiger. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, he said, all of you people who are putting this massive amount into saying go out and vote you're being irresponsible okay you you can't just go out and vote you have to know what you're voting for and who you're voting who and what you're voting for the action of just looking at this metric of the percentage of people that vote is not a good metric it does not it does not have any context to how informed the voter is and i don't there again i'm prefacing this with this disclosure with this disclosure of not getting political one of the i'm sure it's the same where you are we have a full legislative vote for county everything county this year from the executive to all the legislators to uh, not the sheriff, the sheriff's on an off year, but the county treasurer. And those, I think, are really the only elected positions in our county. Uh, I was approached by the Democrat. It doesn't matter. It could be Democrat or Republican. I was voted by the non, I was visited at my house by the non-incumbent person, or the non-incumbent person running for county legislature. And I know personally our county legislator that, rep, that I live in the district of since for decades. And he's a very, very good person. So, but I wanted to hear her out. And I say, you know, tell me why, what, what's your platform? And, well, your legislator has been in power for, has been your legislator for 22 years and it's time for a change. I said, okay. What's going to be the change? 
change. I, I laughed at her. I, it was an, un, an involuntary response. I laughed at her. I said, I will never vote for change for change's sake. If you can't articulate why you're better than the other person, then why do you expect me to vote for you? Now, how many people had that interaction with her? Her signs are up all over. And I can't imagine that I was any different than any of the hundreds of other people she's met with within the district who said, are you happy with the way things are? No. Well, then why are you voting for the same person? Vote for me because I'm different. I can't get behind that. I don't. And honestly, pros, I feel that makes me better than the other people voting because I feel like I'm more informed about that, it. That's fair. I, I 100% agree. If you had that experience, would you go vote then? If I had that... Would your vote meant something like that to you, if you had that experience? If I had that experience, I guess what what I would like is a document that just kind of is like a cover letter of all these people. And I'm I'm sure you can go to each of their websites and see what they stand for and all that. But there should be, when you go to vote, there should be a quick tip sheet you know, they should hand you a big sheet of paper and it just says, you know, this person this year wants to put a park next to your house. This person this year wants to cut park spending and close down the park that you currently go to. You, you know, things like that. Then I, I think I would, I would be more of a voter if I understood like what people want to do. I mean, other than seeing the signs, like it doesn't say what they want to do. Like there needs to be signs that say, you know, vote for pros if you support opening the new park on, you know, Smith and John Street or whatever. Well, I hate those signs. There will never be a sign in my yard. I hate those signs because it's, it just goes with what one of the fundamental flaws of our government is, is it just makes it into a popularity contest. Oh, absolutely. It's all it is, is it's a popularity contest. And our leaders should not be voted on based on how popular they are. Case in point with maybe some of the leaders we have right now. Correct. But I think from this county could easily be extrapolated up to the national level. That most of the votes that were got that our current president has, right or wrong, are based on the fact that he's just not the politician. He's not that person. It's a vote for change, which can be wonderful, which can be necessary, which can be the best thing ever. But it's irresponsible to vote for change if you don't know what that change is. Cor correct. And it's implied with voting that anyone you vote for, even if it's an incumbent, that change is going to happen because that's how the political process works is every year there's changes that happen. You know, maybe that incumbent didn't get a chance to make those changes in the past, but they're they like, oh, well, this thing happened, so now we got to do this. So you're st right, or they're not going to change based on what the change you want. You're still voting for change, even if you vote for the same person who's currently in office, because they're going to make changes. They're just it, it may right. not necessarily be along the political lines you agree with. Right. So really by change, they mean like a change of thought process, I guess, which to me doesn't make sense. 
because I I just want to know: uh, Are my taxes going up? Are they going down? If my taxes go up, what do I get out of it? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. You said you. All right. Now I feel like I have the pros. I have I have a pros trap set. Oh, no. Okay. For you. So I'm 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 warning All right. you. You said that if you had the same experience that I had, yes. that you would be more inclined to vote. Yes. Which all kind of goes, you talked about fact sheets that don't exist, the, the, the direct face-to-face interaction. So, pros isn't against voting for the sake of, because... I have if I if everybody votes, then nobody votes. If burgers aren't burgers, then lies. Then lies, lies aren't lies. lies. Uh, is it not your responsibility to become a more informed voter so that you do embolden yourself to go to the polls and be very confident? Like I'm actually fifty percent of me can't wait. I can't wait for Tuesday to come to vote 50% so that this whole election cycle can be over with because I'm very tired of it. And the other 50% is because I'm very set and feel good about who I'm voting for and knowing why I'm voting for them, that informed voter piece. Can't you get to that same state, pros? I could, but to be honest, like to know everyone who's on the ballot, you almost need, there needs to be like a community college class that you're like required to take <laughs> that just kind of goes like, all right, today we're talking about this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, I mean, it takes time to, to actually get to an informed, educated vote. Like you'd have to spend, you'd have to spend at least a work week kind of researching all this stuff. Okay. I I mean, anyone who voted for like the current president, could they tell you like anything they like really stand for or like what they're going to do? I mean, like he says a lot of stuff, but you know, do you know like what law like, oh, well he's drafting, you know, uh, house amendment, you know, 503B on on this and this is how it's going to be executed and things like that. And I don't think anyone understands that really. Right. Well, and that's my criticism of most of the president's supporters is the amazing things that he is doing. They have no clue that he's doing it. Like reallocating world supply chain with these tariffs. Yes. That it's amazing what he's doing. The, the tax thing, you know, it impacted us personal taxes, but he did it because we had, we were non-competitive corporate on our corporate tax. And he knew he needed to change that. And then he needed, he knew he had to go after these certain countries with tariffs to reallocate world supply chain back in our favor, which it's been out of our hands for not just, you know, it through Republican and democratic rule. That's probably the most impactful global thing he's done. And, and how many people can talk about that on he got rid of NAFTA. Yeah. And then, do people even know that? Like, I, I wonder if you could, uh, you know, create a poll and 
say, you know, do you support, uh, you know, the current president and how he uh, continued NAFTA? And how many people would say, like, yes, like, not understanding right. the question because they, like, they just... Uh, they have no idea what Yeah, NAFTA it just sounds is. like, oh, yeah, he created this thing. That sounds good. But it, it shows the flawed system. And I think this can be at the federal level or at any level because our current president's smart enough to know that for me to have these changes, all I need to do is to say, crooked Hillary... And that will get me enough votes. It, you can quote Chris Christie on it. You can't govern if you don't win. Right. You have to win first or you don't get to govern. It's all right to get the populace of votes. I have to, you know, crooked Hillary, we're building a wall. You know, okay, you marketing pukes what do what are the catchphrases that will get me the votes to win these thank you very much if he went and he tried to do like a john Kerry and said we need to reallocate world supply chain and i'm going to use tariffs and blah 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 boring to do this <laughs> he wouldn't have he got four votes there, nobody would understand what he was talking about unless they you would have got four yeah, votes unless they took a macro but that test. goes back to the informed yeah. voter and to be informed, you also have to have a certain level of dedication and education to be able to understand this is not the time to start teaching someone global economics. But someone better figure it out if they're going to make an informed decision. So I think there's a lot of factors to what you say, pros, as far as why you shouldn't just vote. I think, you needed, I think it was worth it going into a pros and doms about it. Because uh, I've, I've scrapped my ballot before, where I still go to the polls, sign in, get my ballot, and then just scrap it, just exit out, and then put it in the box that says scrap ballot. Because I still want to vote. I still want to say I, I, I put in enough effort and time that I know the candidates, and I don't, I will never vote for any of them. And I scrapped my belt. Now, I only did that once, I think it was a year or two years ago, because in my 20s, what I would do in that same instance is I would do a write and vote for Al Pacino. Okay. I wonder how many, you know, do, do you think they actually, they must count those, right? Yeah. They have to. Why don't they report those on the news? Like, who's the most popular? How many votes did SpongeBob SquarePants get for president this year, you know? Yes, they should. But now I know in my more adult and mature phase that scrapping a vote is, I feel more impactful than just sitting there and wasting the time of writing the word Al Pacino in each box. <laughs> my point is that I was, I still wanted to vote because I still felt I met that level, that binary yes or no, are you informed enough to properly do this? So I, I guess it kind of dovetails into a, a more, even a bigger epidemic is, all right, 30% of the population votes. What percentage of that 30% pros is really voting informedly? It's got to be less than 10% of that 30%. So that is like 3% of the total population. 
That's not no. good. I, I mean, I don't know. You know, I I know one of the laws is that you can't uh, you can't support candidates. You know, within a certain number of feet of like the ballots. You know what I'm talking about? Like you, right? They can't campaign around a polling correct. station. But can you poll around a polling station? Can you be like, yes, because they do exit polls. That's how they can predict winners of states when, like, for the president. Election. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because those aren't official things. They just get exit polling. So you can you can you can campaign. Like, do you know what you're actually voting for? Like, you can you can ask people that. You can't ask right. people, do you know that this guy did this because, you know, he's bad and you should vote for this guy. But you could say, like, do you understand, like, any of the issues you just voted for? Right. You can ask, how do you feel yeah. about NAFTA being repealed? You know, during the presidential election of 2016, like two years ago, you could have asked that. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I guess it just goes back to for me it's it's a time commitment, and I saw like an economic, um, like little uh, opinion piece like uh, that anyone who's an economist does not vote because the opportunity cost of voting, uh, the you know the time you put into it is not equal to what you get out of it. <laughs> You know, it's it's. Yeah. I think there's a joke with that, and I've I've seen it before that you know two economists see each other at the ballots and like the, you know they embarrass and they like look at each other and say like what are you doing here like you know this goes against <laughs> like the whole principles of economics that you're not getting anything out of this so why are you doing it? But I just uh, so oh oh so we didn't even cover this uh, part two of why I don't vote is it gets your name. Uh, on the jury duty list. I I don't think that's true. I I've, I mean, knock on wood, I'm knocking right now. I've never been summoned for jury duty. That, that, that yeah, I, I'm going to gloss over that because I, I don't think that that matters. I think it's a, I, I, no, they just do, they, they have, it's just on the. They just take it from. How do you, how do you know that, pros? That was my understanding. Is that if you register, so no. like when you go and sign in and you scrap your ballot, that puts your name on the person participating in government list. So therefore, you're on the jury duty list. I think that's complete poppycock. Poppycock. Well. Bobby, I'm 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 gonna call Poppy. Well, they have to that. pull your name out of something. They can't just. I think it's like a census or something. I think non-voters get summoned for jury duty. What I wanted to do before we we went a little tangential was that the takeaway I feel from the podcast, where the kind of the turning point for me was when you said I don't vote. I was like, oh, that's very ignorant. But after we go through all of that, this conversation, it's like prose is actually in in many aspects being re- responsible by not voting if that's where he is. 
Because when you said 10% of that 30% are informed, that 90% of that 30% is doing, I feel, what could be called a, a, a very big disservice. Yes. So that that was kind of a that was kind of a aha moment for me was maybe somebody who doesn't vote that's not properly informed is not is not just being unpatriotic. I guess that has to do with sample sizes and statistics though though. Like how much of that 3% is representative of the nation? Is it like a good representation to take that 3% who actually knows what they're talking about? Or is right. it uh is it skewed towards, oh, well, these people are the educated ones and they understand blah, 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 you know, so they're skewing the country, not to what everyone believes, but just to what that minority believes. Right. I just went, I did some on the fly research and not to derail us, but uh, uscourts.gov, they have an FAQ, how are jurors contacted for service in federal court? And then the answer is, before potential jurors are summoned for service, their names are randomly drawn from voter lists, and then it says in parentheses, and sometimes driver's lists, to receive a questionnaire to determine whether they meet legal qualifications for jury service. Okay, pros. So, uh, it, it seems to be, and they, they use the term voter list several times in this document. So clearly there's something to that. Point conceded. So well, sir. Yeah. Point conceded on that. You you changed my mind on a couple okay. things today. So sounds good. Touche. I will be remembering you, pros, when I go vote. Two days from now. And then two months from now when you say, oh, I got jury duty. And then I say, oh, did you vote? And then you say yes. And then I say, oh, nice. I'm not going to tell you if I have jury duty. Have you ever gone to jury duty? I'm just going to remember you. I'm not going to tell you. I've never been called. I'm just saying. Just keeping my clean slate streak going. Because maybe you're a felon. When... That's for the you to know and the podcast to find out. Oopsie. So All right, bros. I gotta get ready to I gotta get ready to vote. I gotta get ready to enjoy what I'm gonna do on election day with my non vote. And everyone, thanks for listening to Pros and Doms. This has been another riveting discussion. Pros is still not voting, Doms is still voting. Where will they go next? Tune in next week to find out on Pros and Doms. Follow us on Twitter at Pros and Doms, P-R-O-S-E-A-N-D-D-O-M-S. Instagram by the same name. And, of course, find us on SoundCloud at Pros and Doms. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and have a great night.